When it comes to money, there are really only three things that can throw a nation into a revolution. The first thing that can throw a nation into revolution is when the money simply stops flowing. When citizens do not have money to buy things, they get desperate. And when they get desperate, they have to figure out another way. Another thing that can throw a nation into revolution is when the money loses its value. When it takes a lot of money to buy little stuff, you have a problem. The third thing is the most dangerous thing, and that's when a government realizes that its money is worthless. What they tend to do is try to tax the citizens more to make up the difference so they can keep spending money the way they want, not understanding the fact that the people who pay the taxes are also having problems. Welcome to the Upcoming Revolution Podcast, the most important podcast of our lives and times. I am your host, Kali. Here in this podcast, we discuss the who, what, where, why, and how of America's next civil uprising. Governments run on money. When you have a government that does not operate on a budget, nor feel constrained when they don't have enough money to do what they want to do, or to buy what they want to buy, you have a problem. When a government is broke and cannot provide services expected of it to its citizens, you have a problem. Now imagine if you wanted to buy a bunch of new items, cars and properties and stuff, but you don't have the money. Well, you can't. You cannot have what you want because you can't afford it. Now, let's say you're a government. Specifically, let's say you're the U.S. government. Even though you can't afford everything you want, you can pick the pockets of the citizen or the taxpayer, who, by the way, cannot afford everything they want. Totally inappropriate and totally immoral, but government wants what government wants, even though it can't afford it. Well, it's one thing when you can't afford to buy what you want, but if you're a government, you can buy what you want to buy because all you have to do is print more money. Let's say you did that. Imagine if you wanted more houses, cars, property, and servants, and you could make money to pay them. Would you? Yep, that's what the federal government is doing. It's merely printing more money because it owns the printing presses. It's not backed by anything. It's not valuable. And what they are in effect doing is printing more money, and by doing so, making every dollar less valuable. Printing more money devalues all of your money. The more money in circulation, the least valuable each dollar is. It's like if diamonds grew on trees, diamonds would be as valuable as acorns. So what this means is that buying power is lowered the more dollars that are in circulation. It'll take more dollars to buy less stuff for government and for the citizen. Now, what's the death of our money? The death of the dollar is going to be debt. Debt is what makes the U.S. government spend more money. It makes them print more money, and it makes them spend more money. I'm looking at the U.S. national debt clock right now, and currently in 2022, we're just over $30 trillion in national debt. Per citizen, that's about $90,253. Per taxpayer, that's $239,808 that we all owe. Now, I think this is kind of funny. Not funny, haha funny, but funny in an F-U kind of way. 
because that is not our debt. That's the government's debt. They like to break it down by individuals owing per citizen or per taxpayer, but that's not our debt, and I'm never paying it. That is government's debt. I didn't have a say in how the government built it. You didn't have a say in how the government built it, but the government built it. I get it. I recognize that these numbers are just to put in perspective the size of the debt or how much the government is spending. I understand what they're getting at, and I understand they need a reference point, but this idea should never be fostered. It legitimizes the debt being generated and socializes the true problem to something that becomes all of our collective fault. But it's not all of our fault. It's just the government's fault. It's their problem. That debt is government's debt. Don't let them tell you otherwise. They've borrowed, they've devalued the dollar so they can spend more and buy stuff that nobody approves of, that nobody agreed to. Don't accept that premise. Per citizen presumes the citizen had any kind of say in the spending and borrowing process. That citizens all benefit from the system equally, but we do not benefit equally. We all really know that at best we do not have a say, and at worst, we recognize that this is taxation without representation. A few politicians are borrowing and spending and think that they will be able to make others pay for what they want. And it also presumes that each individual will be paying for their equal portion of the debt. And we all know that's not true. Obviously not everyone pays. It seems pretty simple. You cannot suggest that we all owe an equal amount. Another glaring issue is that the individual citizen didn't sign any contracts for this. They didn't borrow national debt money. They can't use that money individually. They have no say. This debt is not our money. It's not mine. It's not yours, nor anyone we know. It's the government's debt. Subscribe now to the upcoming American Revolution podcast if this sort of discussion makes you think and you'd like to hear this mix of political commentary applied over historical context and laid over practical issues related to a civil conflict. I'd love to have you as a subscriber, and as always, subscribing is free. This debt was accumulated and built entirely by government. They won't stop building debt, and they won't be able to seize everyone's property to pay for it without a fight anyway. That leads us into the third reason government's debt and its spending habits increase the odds that we will have a revolution. To pay for what they want, they tax citizens to make the difference so they can keep spending money the way they want. The idea that government can accrue as much debt as it wants is a problem. But even the innocent suggestion that government's debt can be viewed as a responsibility of each American should be squashed immediately. Government's insistence that we all pay for what it wants to do is a problem. The answer is austerity. The federal government should stop taxing its citizens to buy what it wants for itself. If the citizens don't want it, citizens should not be taxed for it. Presumably, the government should only be spending money on things that are absolute necessities. It should not be sending U.S. taxpayer money to foreign nations. We all love art, but the U.S. government should not be paying for art. We're all impressed by modern electric cars, but there should be no tax rebates for electric vehicles. This is not a federal responsibility to pay for that. Austerity means the federal government should do only what the federal government is required to do, but where the American people are now, 
is far worse off than the taxation without representation that America's founding fathers went through. If they were alive today, there's no doubt they would already be fighting. All right, I make this podcast because I am a patriot, I fear tyranny, and I love freedom and liberty. If you are the same, leave me a question, suggestion, or comment. It all helps this podcast grow, and honestly, at this point, every episode is getting better. I hope you stick with me so we can discuss, evaluate, and prepare for America's upcoming revolution. Keep the faith and prepare for the storm.